Hey everyone, and welcome to another edition of I Hear Design. This is Robert Nyaminen, Editor-at-Large of Interiors and Sources, and I'm glad you tuned in. For today's broadcast, I want to share with you guys a topic that caught my attention recently as I was working on a CEU for a client that relates to workplace design uh, that I think is getting a lot of traction in the market right now and that I thought would make for an interesting discussion. because. As we all know, the current open office model is rife with problems um, stemming from a lack of visual and acoustic privacy, uh, among other things. And that's a topic we plan on revisiting in upcoming episodes and also during some one night events that we'll be launching next year. So we'll give you more details about that as we get closer to 2020. So you know, stay tuned for sure. But anyway, what I'd like to talk about today uh, relates to the diversity of the workforce and how to design for those differences, but perhaps not quite in the way that you may be thinking. So let me explain. We've all heard about how the demographics of the workforce are changing and how there are now multiple generations occupying the same space um, because of the influx of millennials that are coming in. Uh, as well as boomers who are working past retirement age in many cases. So we've got multiple generations in the workforce um, and we've been told about how disruptive millennials are to the workplace dynamic and how they've been characterized as being an opinionated and coddled generation that basically just want beanbags and ping pong tables in the office. I mean, we've heard it all, right? But. Uh, in my research for the CEU that I mentioned earlier, uh, I have to admit I was a little bit surprised to discover that millennials aren't so different from the rest of us. And my apologies to our younger listeners out there. Um, I don't know about you, but I kind of bought into the idea that the up and coming generations are just a little bit more entitled maybe, and they expect a lot more from their employers uh, than those of us who have been in our careers a bit longer uh, who just tend to be, you know, we tend to value loyalty, uh, things like that. But what studies have found um, is that millennials actually have a priority to make the world a better place. Um, they'd like to have flexible work schedules to accommodate work-life integration, and they want to avoid being um, or becoming a number in a faceless company, um, which sounds like a lot of the same things that I want in a workplace. In other words, this younger generation's desires and their goals for work actually align a lot more closely with older generations than maybe some of us have realized before. In fact, um, a recent Harvard Business Review article that I read uh, revealed that the percentage of millennials who agreed with um, long-term goals such as um, making a positive impact on the organization or working with a diverse group of people or doing work that I'm passionate about and managing my work-life balance, um, their responses very rarely ra uh, varied from both the Generation X and Baby Boomer um, people who were surveyed for the same study. Um, so they pretty much all agreed on those same goals. And while the office aesthetic may have changed um, between you know, baby boomers and millennials. Um, the reality is really this, that employees of every age group want to feel appreciated. They want to feel like they're making a difference. 
and that their voices are heard. And millennials don't want to feel stagnant and then any more uh, any more than those in different generations. So, um, how does this play out then for you, um, our listeners? Well, I think it means that employers and designers alike should um, maybe pay less attention to generational stereotypes and more um, about organizational culture and creating spaces that align with those values that will help its employees succeed. And you may be thinking, wait, you know, people are all different and we have to design uh, to accommodate diversity. And that's true. But maybe what we need to consider more so than generational differences um, is personality types and how those might influence the workplace, um, the design of the workplace. Because I think we can all agree that um, the old cubicle farms of the past weren't good for anybody. I mean, nobody wants to work in a box, right? But when the open office came around, um, the pendulum just kind of swung too far in the opposite direction. And a lot of people with certain personality traits weren't at all comfortable just sitting out in the open. And not to mention the fact that, um, you know, open offices are just loud. So Perkins Eastman recently conducted a study of more than 100 employees in three different offices. And what they found, um, as you might expect, were that there are a variety of different personality types represented in a typical office. And some of them are more content with their work environment than others. So according to their study, uh, employees generally fall uh, into one of five different personality types. And 12% of those surveyed identified um, with the extroverted type. Um, Just over a third uh, they called conscientious users. Um, Another 17% were were called openness users. Uh, 30% were were named agreeable. And 6% uh, fell into the category of being neurotic. And so how this all plays out in the office is pretty interesting. So extroverts were likely to uh, make use of informal spaces for various tasks and they were particularly vulnerable to acoustic and visual distractions as you might um, as you might guess. Um, Conscientious individuals uh, really included people who enjoy working in a highly organized space uh, also as you might imagine. Um, Those people with a predominant openness trait uh, that were that represented the largest group um, that were uh, surveyed uh, were more satisfied with their ability to modify their personal workspace. And those with an agreeable personality uh, showed the highest attachment to their personal workspace and um, they had one of the highest indications that they would be likely to miss uh, their personal workspace if they were to move to another office location. And lastly, Um, Only half of those with neurotic personalities uh, indicated that they were satisfied with their overall personal workspace, which was uh, the lowest across all the different personality types surveyed. And they were also uh, one of the groups that had the lowest percentage of people who were satisfied with their ability to um, individualize their space. And, you know, although these groups of people uh, differ pretty significantly in their attitudes toward the workplace, Um, they did share a number of concerns in common and specifically uh, the Perkins Eastman study found that speech speech privacy and noise levels uh, were at the top of the list of concerns. Um, 
Ergonomic support was also pretty high um, across the different personality uh, groups that were in the study. Um, and interestingly, thermal comfort uh, was by and large the biggest obstacle to productivity, no matter what the person personality type, um, followed by visual privacy. So, you know, how can you guys in our listening audience um, you know, design spaces that can uh, better accommodate the diversity represented um, with employee personalities? Well, I think variety, choice, and flexibility um, are key in this discussion, and that's something that we've definitely been seeing a lot more of uh, lately as far as workplace design trends go. So in other words, incorporating things like focus areas uh, where people have access to uh, privacy pods or other quiet work zones where they can concentrate, um, you know, that's important to introverts for sure. Um, but it's also um, just as important for the outgoing types who just need to get some heads down work done. Um, one business.com article I read suggested that up to 50% of an office um, should be allocated towards these types of um, focus zones. And um, you know, collaboration is such an overused buzzword these days, but you know, without a better term, we're kind of stuck with it for the time being. But uh, um, offices obviously need plenty of informal meeting spaces today um, where people can get together, collaborate, and exchange ideas um, regardless of their personality types. So these uh, lounge type spaces um, are becoming a staple in offices today and um, up to a third of the floor plan um, can be used for collaboration zones uh, according to a design and consultancy firm uh, in the UK that contributed to uh, the one article I read. Um, obviously, offices also need more traditional meeting rooms of, of various sizes uh, that are fully equipped to handle uh, the technology and privacy needs of, of uh, people attending meetings. And the number of them will depend on the size and culture of the organization, but formal boardrooms are still kind of a work workhorse of the workforce, if you will. Um, and finally, social areas, um, aka break rooms, lounges, you know, cafes. Um, they're a must in today's offices for uh, people of all different types. So giving employees a place to recharge and socialize is important, but I think it's also vital that um, you, know, you build in enough privacy even in those social spaces for that person who is either maybe introverted or just wants a reprieve from you know, meetings in collaborative areas uh, without having to go out of their way to find you know, an enclosed office or, or a privacy pod or what have you. So. What are your thoughts on designing for personality types? Um, I'd love to hear from you guys uh, and what you're doing to help make the work workplace um, more accommodating for people of all personality types. Um, sound off on our Twitter or Facebook pages or reach out to us via email. Uh, you can find my contact info on our website uh, at interiorsandsources.com. Um, that's it for now, but I hope you'll join us for upcoming podcasts uh, where we'll be looking at uh, design trends going into 2020 uh, as we close out the year. So stay tuned and be well everyone.